I want to speak this evening on a, a word, really, which is found in three different verses in the New Testament, uh, so that we don't have a, a, a direct text. We have three direct texts, in actual fact, and uh, we've read from the chapter which contains the third of those concerning Christ who was delivered for our offences and was raised again for our justification. The word is delivered and I want to consider these three things from that word delivered as we find it uh, the first of all the sinner delivered uh, secondly the saint delivered and then finally the savior delivered the sinner delivered and that verse first of all then is found in first Thessalonians and the first chapter the chapter one of first Thessalonians First Thessalonians, and we find it at the end of that chapter, and we'll read from verse 9, and then we'll see that word coming up right at the very end of the first chapter. Verse 9, for they themselves show up of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. The sinner delivered. And we can see, can see here from these words, delivered us from the wrath, of, wrath to come. First of all, the fearful end, which the apostle uh, alludes to here. Uh, the message, of course, had been given by the Lord Jesus himself to some to whom he preached when the scribes and the Pharisees came, and by John the Baptist too, and he said, Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now, there are many times when we can see the wrath of God, which fell upon the land of Israel, and indeed upon individuals within Israel. Perhaps specifically, uh, the Lord had in mind the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. It certainly was a very graphic description of God's wrath as the, the Romans came and as they dismantled the temple and carried away all uh, that was of worth within it and the people could see as they ran as they escaped as many were killed in that day the wrath of God had come upon them and it was a day of wrath we read in the Old Testament of those times of salvation that they weren't just times of salvation. They were the times of the wrath of God as well. And although uh, they were spaced out over the, over the uh, age of the 40 years, uh, that time which so often occurs within the scripture, the 40 years in the wilderness, uh, and uh, uh, many times 40 years are mentioned, uh, 40 years in particularly in, in the wilderness, the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness too, uh, picturesque of those 40 years and the temptations that were there. And then 40 years between the death of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross and the temple being destroyed in 70 AD. The wrath of God came. And we see in other places also this fearful end to some. We remember again how the Lord Jesus made reference to the days of Noah. As, in, as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, they, uh, they married and they gave in marriage. They ate and they drank. 
And then, until Noah entered into the ark, and then there was the destruction. In Noah's day, it was a worldwide destruction. There were just those eight who were saved within the ark in that day. And the Lord looked, had looked upon the violence that was upon the earth. He had looked upon the iniquity that was in the earth. He had looked upon man's vanity and man's sinfulness. And he destroyed all and began again with Noah and with those seven that were with him. But there were individual times also when the wrath of God fell that the people might see. We think, uh, just going back to our studies in First Samuel, uh, how that, uh, or it's actually Second Samuel, uh, when this occurs. But we, we saw there how that they were bringing up the ark, and because they hadn't carried it uh, properly, uh, it had not been carried by the, uh, by the um, priests as it should have been, even though there was a priest sitting next to it, uh, and Uzzah was sitting there upon the new cart. And when the oxen shook the cart, he put forth his hand to touch the ark and to steady it. And God smote him without any warning, but just directly he was smitten. And David, of course, uh, lamented for Uzzah uh, that he was killed in such a way. We think also of the uh, uh, Nadab and Abihu. Uh, it was a, a tremendous day upon which these things occurred. It was a tremendous day. It was a day when there was the beginning of the sacrificial system. It was the day when the anointing of the high priest, the, uh, the anointing of Aaron had ceased and they had just come to the end of it. And it had been 14 days where there were washings and there were ablutions, there were sacrifices, and all of those things were accomplished. And then God said, uh, take the offerings and offer them upon the altar. And they went to do so. And on that very same day, Nadab and Abihu took strange fire. And they offered strange fire in their censer before God. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them. It was a very significant thing because here is the, the, the very picture of the sacrifice in the offerings that the high priest offered. And on the same day, the wrath of God fell upon Nadab and Abihu. And when the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, died upon the cross, there we see both the wrath of God and the grace of God, the salvation of sinners and the death of the, of the Savior. And then, of course, as we have already alluded to, uh, the uh, salvation of souls by Christ upon the cross and then the destruction of the temple just those 40 years later we see the fearful end again in Sodom and Gomorrah we read in Luke 17 29 but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all here is the destruction and the day approaches when the Lord will return when the judgment of God will come when his wrath will be unleashed and it will be unleashed in an instant. There will be no time uh, for repentance then. Uzzah had no time to repent. Uzzah had no warning apart from that which was already given to him uh, in the scriptures that the ark of God was to be carried. It was not to be moved upon a cart. Uh, Nadab and Abihu, well, they knew that the, 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 the offering before the Lord was to be uh, in the way that the Lord had told them. But when they offered strange fire, the judgment came immediately upon them. And we see over and over the judgment of God falls. And when it falls, it falls in its greatest power. 
And here the Apostle Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and he is rejoicing with the, the Thessalonians that the Lord had, had turned them, that the Lord had saved them, that he had delivered them from this fearful end. Uh, that they had turned and uh, that they had turned to God from idols, we see there in verse 9, to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. A fearful end. But the sinner was delivered. The Thessalonians, to whom Paul writes, are delivered. Uh, God has put forth his hand. The word of the Lord has come to them. They have believed that word. They have turned and they have trusted in the Lord. And they know the Lord now. In verse 5 we read, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Well, the Lord had delivered them. And the Lord, for all of us who are saved here tonight, that we have been delivered from the wrath to come. This great deliverance at the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are delivered to a freedom. We are free now from the shackles of sin. And as the Spirit of God is given to us and as faith is given to us, so the potential for our walk of righteousness grows. And we should be seeking to take all of that potential and use it for the glory of God. For the commandments of the Lord to the saint are not grievous. We, are, we rejoice in them. We agree with them. We seek to walk in them. And the power is given to us if we are to receive it and if we are to build upon it. We've said before concerning faith, how the Lord said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say unto this mountain or on another occasion, this sycamine tree uh, to be uh, plucked up uh, and be cast into the sea. Uh, and not that tiny grain of faith, which will do that. But if you have faith, then the potential for faith grows and there can be enough faith to do all things. The Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus and we thank the Lord for that. And so it is with the Spirit of God. Every child of God has the Holy Ghost. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. We have the Spirit of God, or that we might become uh, so close to him, uh, that we might develop such a relationship with him, that we find that the sins of this world and the attractions of this world lose their power over us, and we may walk in righteousness. That those things which grieved the righteous lot, and we'll come to him in just a moment, but that those things will grieve us, and we will seek to put them asunder and separate ourselves from them and to dwell in the presence of the Almighty. We have a freedom now to do so, where once we were chained to them, where once they were everything to us. Now Christ is to be our all in all. The sinner delivered even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And then, secondly, we see the saint who is delivered. The saint who is delivered. And here we go to Second Peter, 2 Peter and chapter 2. And in 2 Peter and chapter 2, we do read there of, uh, of Lot. Uh, and uh, we've 
said that we will come to him, and we are just about to do so. So, Second Peter in chapter 2, and we'll read a few verses here also. Verse 4, we'll read from, it says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly and delivered just Lot, whose uh, just Lot vexed with their filthy conversation, with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the ungodly, uh, deliver the godly out of temptations or trials, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. This builds, of course, upon those first thoughts that we had: the sinner delivered from the wrath of wrath to come. Uh, and here are some of those illustrations that we used. Uh, How that the Lord spared not the angels that sinned. How that the Lord spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, our preacher of righteousness. How that he turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes and condemned them with an overthrow. Here is the wrath of God which came upon them. But here we have also this strange verse concerning Lot. And uh, one has said in the past, uh, probably more than one, uh, perhaps taking up the words of someone uh, at some point who we don't even know, uh, that we wouldn't have known that Lot was a righteous man except for these verses. Uh, For it tells us here that he was a righteous man dwelling among them. Verse 8. In seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with, uh, with their unlawful deeds. Now the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. And here in that word unjust we also uh, recognize in verse 7 where it says and delivered just Lot. It doesn't mean he delivered only Lot. It means that Lot was a just man, a righteous man. And so we see that here is a man who who is a saint. Here is a man who is under the gracious salvation of the Lord. He belongs to the Lord. And yet here he is in this situation. And God is able to deliver him. And he is able to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. And that's a tremendous encouragement to us. When we think of Lot's life, it was a a strange life really. Uh, Lot was not called out of Ur of the Chaldees in the way that Abram was called. Uh, but nevertheless, being the nephew of Abram, Abram brought him with him. And so he was in that sense called. And he lived with Abram and he, he knew Abram's God. And indeed, from these words, we understand that he also knew uh, Abram's God as his own sa- saviour. He had also come to trust in Abram's God. And we consider his life, first of all, his following. He followed after Abraham. He followed after the commands of God. 
He didn't separate himself from Abraham. Wherever Abraham went, so Lot followed and walked with him. He was his companion and he was willing to go wherever the Lord told Abraham to go. He was a man of faith then because he believed that what Abraham believed was true. He believed that if God told Abraham to go here or to go there, then he should go with him. And that Abraham was blessed of God and that this God was a true God and a real God. His own walk with God, perhaps, was not quite what Abraham's was or what Abraham's became. Nevertheless, he had a fellowship with God himself. So we see here his following. And we see also his blessing, the blessing in his flocks. Oh, we find that God doesn't just bless Abraham, but Lot is blessed too. In such a, such a situation that, that there were so many flocks and herds that Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen began to strive one with another over the land. There wasn't enough room for them all. The blessing of God was upon him. And he understood and he knew that blessing. And he rejoiced in that blessing and continued to walk with Abraham with no thought of separating himself from them. And yet we find that there were difficulties here. And it wasn't Lot and Abraham who were fighting one with another, but their herdsmen. And so often it can be circumstances apart from ourselves as Christians. It can be apart from uh, the, the, our intentions or our desires, other circumstances that cause some disruption in our walk. And here was this disruption. They find that Lot and Abraham talked together and they realized that they cannot maintain these flocks and herds together that there needs to be a separating of the ways. And Lot perhaps really needed to continue with Abraham, uh, to learn of Abraham, but it, it came to a point where he was separated. It happens to us, doesn't it, sometimes? Even as Christians, we may come to a situation where we have to move away, perhaps from a, from a fellowship, uh, perhaps from a circumstance uh, which was beneficial to us, and we're out on our own, and now Lot is away on his own. And we think of how he went. He had his freedom and that freedom he had demonstrated in the fact of his own flocks and herds and his herdsmen and that the God's blessing was upon him. And Abraham said, well, you choose which way you want to go. And he lifted up his eyes and perhaps he had full faith that God would be with him. And he saw those beautiful uh, plains down in the valley. And he said, well, I'll go that way. And, and I'll see the blessing there. Sometimes we can follow as Christians what we think is the greatest blessing. And it may not be the greatest blessing. Abraham was left with, a, uh, with a, um, the runt of the land in, in lots of ways. When you look at Israel today, I don't know what it was like in Abraham's day. It could have been wholly different, of course, uh, to what we see today. Yeah, but perhaps it was a lot more sparse than it would be down by the river in those days. And that was what he was left with. And yet Abraham was the blessed one. And Lot, who thought that he went after a greater blessing, discovered that the blessing wasn't as great as he thought it would be. But he had his freedom. And then we find Lot's failure. Uh, the fact that while he was down there, uh, the armies came and they carried him away. And we read how that Abraham went after him and he saved him and brought him back with all the flocks and the herds. And yet we find then that Lot is in Sodom. He is now in the city. No flocks, no herds, no herdsmen. Where have all of these gone? We find that when Abraham comes back and is met with Melchizedek, that the king of Sodom meets him too. And the king of Sodom says, uh, well, uh, you can keep all of these things. Just give me the people. 
But Abraham says to him, no, you have all these things. I don't want them. And I don't want you to be able to say you made Abraham rich. And so he gives him all of the flocks and the herds. And perhaps he's given away Lot's flocks and herds with them. They belong to the king of Sodom now. And Lot is left in the city. The question may come to our minds, well, why didn't Lot just return to Abraham? Because what was it that separated from Abraham in the first place? First place, it was the flocks and herds. Now he doesn't have them. Why doesn't he just go back to where Abraham was and join him once again? But he's taken his own path and he's separated from him. It's a dangerous pilgrimage that we walk in this world. There are all kinds of things which can take us away from the Lord. And we might still, well, we will have. If we are Christ, we will still have faith. Our faith doesn't depart from us. But the blessedness sometimes, the joy, the, the, the strengths, the, the, the ministry perhaps that we have enjoyed, those things are no longer with us. And we have walked a path and we have come to a, a, to a situation where it is quite sparse around us. We look at our circumstances in these days. We might be old enough to look back to times of great blessing when churches were, were, were far more full than they are now, where lots of people went into church, where the preaching was. We could look back to our own uh, conferences with Dr. Paisley and, uh, and the gathering. Now, one year we had there over 250 people uh, who met together for that conference and we stayed there for a week and it began to dwindle and uh, we see lots of churches in these days with small congregations uh, we could say well nothing has changed in my faith i still trust the lord i i still preach the same gospel the circumstances have changed it's a dangerous pilgrimage that we walk and we find that lot is now in sodom and there is a devious politic in this world we were thinking of it this morning and we were thinking about the confusion that the devil loves to bring and the people of this time and of this age are confused they are told so many things so many things which might be true so many suggestions of of errors here and errors there and uh, so much information given and then they tell us well these are the right things to do and the people walk in wrong ways because they are confused and there was this devious politic for lot wasn't there here he was in sodom and gomorrah here he was amongst the people who have no knowledge of god no fear of god no love for god who have given themselves to the uh, bestial lusts of this world uh, and uh, god has looked upon them and it is time for them to suffer his wrath and we find that lot is in the midst of them he is vexed by it and we may be in our day and age so we look around at what's going on and we can see the error we can see the folly and and there are those amongst the worldlings too who can see the folly but what what can be done and we are vexed our righteous soul is vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked we dwell among them in seeing and hearing but the wonderful thing is that god is able to deliver us and the lord delivered lot from all of this the lord delivered him he knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished 
from one and another amongst the congregation of this nation, amongst the, 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 the people of this nation. God knows his people. He knows you if you are Christ's. He knows you. When the judgment of God comes, you will not be under that judgment. He will have you out of that judgment first. We will be caught up to Christ in the air. And the people will cry to the rocks and to the mountains to fall upon them. But the Lord knows how to deliver they, them that are godly. And reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment. And we thank God that even in our situation now, whatever our situation may be, God is able to deliver us. He is able to keep us. Our faith will remain with us. We will keep hold of him. He is able to bring us once again up that mountain to the a place of joy and rejoicing and power. And the Lord does not forget us. We see Lot's great fall from the blessing which once he enjoyed. And now he has escaped. His wife has looked back. His two daughters have been corrupted by that uh, filthy conversation of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they corrupt themselves with their father and produce Ammon and Moab will be a thorn in the flesh of Israel in time to come. But nevertheless, the Lord has delivered him. We must be careful, of course, of the path that we walk and the circumstances and the consequences of the things that we do and where we are and what we say and how we affect those who are around us. The, the ripples go wide and continue for a long time. But then we come finally to the Saviour who was delivered. And here we go back to that portion that we read together in Romans and chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And it's almost a, a verse which stands alone. Uh, it is obviously connected to what the Apostle Paul says. But he is speaking here about Abraham. He is speaking about Abraham's faith. He is speaking about uh, the faith that we also are saved by and trusting in the promise of God. But then at the end of the chapter, it says, if, uh, for, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Now, he's not been writing about Jesus in particular in this chapter. He's been writing about faith. And nevertheless, Christ, of course, is a part of everything. He is central to all, and he, he occurs in every argument and in every uh, discussion. And here, once again, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. And we see that the Savior is delivered. Now there are some who say, uh, how could God deliver up his son uh, for the offenses of others? Surely that's not right. Surely we should all die for our own sins. Why is it that Christ uh, had to suffer for us? Surely that's, a, that's an injustice that the, God the Father would take his own son and slay him instead of us when we are the sinners. And there's an argument amongst the confusions of the ungodly who seek to destroy the faith of some and overthrow them. But nevertheless, we know that from the foundation of the world, it was God's purpose. And in the uh, great um, 
considerations of heaven, the decrees of God, uh, there the Father and the Son uh, covenanted together that Christ should be the bearer of our sin. We read in Acts chapter 3 and verse 25, Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. The Apostle Paul informs us that the seed here is not seeds as of many, but one seed, which is Christ. This is the Apostle Paul's understanding. Remember, Paul stood in the presence of God and and the Lord himself taught Paul. And he goes forth to, to proclaim that which had been revealed unto him. And the seed is Christ. It was the intent, as God spoke to Abraham, that Christ would come, the seed of Abraham. But the seed also of the woman. For the Lord said a similar thing to the serpent in the Garden of Eden after that the the, the, uh, of Adam and Eve had sinned against God and had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said that the seed of the woman will bruise your head. The seed of the woman. And Jesus Christ made of a woman, made under the law. Uh, These things are revealed to us, but they were revealed right from the very beginning. When there were just two people upon the face of the earth. And again over and over to Abraham, to Moses, to David. And again as the Lord Jesus Christ uh, speaks of his own death. And we read by the prophet Isaiah these words. Isaiah 51 verse 5. My righteousness is near. My salvation is gone forth, and mine arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on mine arms shall they trust. Isaiah 52, verse 10, The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Isaiah 59, 16, And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, it sustained him. Isaiah 63 and verse 5, And I looked, and there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury, it upheld me. And here is the purpose of God then. Not that uh, the Father uh, put everything upon the Son against his will, or took him and bound him to that cross, Father, the Son covenanted with the Father, that all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and whosoever cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. It was the purpose of the Son to die upon the cross of Calvary. It was the purpose of the Son to take our sins upon him, and not just of the Father. It was the agreement of the Father that the death of Christ would be accepted on our behalf. It was the agreement of of God in all three persons of the Trinity, that salvation should come through Jesus Christ. And we find then this intent of grace right from the very foundation of the world. But then we find also the imputation of guilt. How is it that the sinner is delivered from that fearful end? How is it that he is able to enjoy the freedom? Well, it is because the imputation of his guilt is upon Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us which knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Isaiah 53 verse 11 He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. 
And in Hebrews 9, the preacher takes up these words. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. That's what the Thessalonians were doing, wasn't it? In the verse that we first looked at. There are so often these links within the scripture. We go back to that verse. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. The imputation of our guilt is upon Christ. But we find that also the imputation of his righteousness is upon us. So that we might be saved. The sinner is delivered. We enjoy a freedom. And the saint is delivered. Even from his dangerous pilgrimage. With all the pitfalls. With all the trials and temptations which come our way. The Lord does not forget us. And he does not forsake us. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Is that not the motto of our church this year? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The imputation of guilt, the intent of grace. And then just to finish really the inspiration of God. I'm not speaking now of the inspiration of the scripture, uh, the breathing of scripture, but the inspiration of God into Christ when he raised him from the dead. When that breath of life came back into that body which was dead for three days. As he began to breathe once again. And we have made mention before of the very fact that the word spirit and the word uh, for the air is the same word, the ruach, the wind, the breath, the same word. And God speaks and the spirit comes again into Christ and with Christ, the spirit comes into us. So is this inspiration which comes into Christ and he breathes again and he rises from the dead and with him. We also are inspired. We also have the breath of God. We have the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus on that occasion breathed upon his disciples and he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Breath. We are breathed into that we might live. We are mindful of those first words uh, of Genesis And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And so it is for us. For the Lord breathes into us. And the Lord Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And if that birth, and we remember, I'm sure, and are all uh, acquainted with the fact that the, the, the baby... The great desire is to hear that baby cry. And the breath has come into its lungs for the first time. It is depended upon its mother's breath. And for the oxygen which has flowed to it from its mother. And then it is borne out into the air. And it takes its first breath. And it breathes for itself. So it is for the child of God. We are inspired of God. God breathes into us the spirit of God. And so he says that... If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. We are not alive if we don't have the spirit of Christ. Here is the inspiration of God. The Savior was delivered for us for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. The sinner is delivered. The saint is delivered because Christ was delivered. And all that we might trust in him. Even as we have read from these 
words of Romans chapter 4. As Abraham believed God, even though his body was dead, it says. He was a hundred years old when he fathered Isaac. When his wife had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. And it was too late for her to have a child. But Abraham believed still. And she bore a son. His name was Isaac. Abraham believed. Do we believe? Do you believe God? Do you trust in God that God is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto him through Jesus Christ? He is our great deliverer. And we thank the Lord for so great a a deliverance to our own hearts if we are his. And our prayer is that others too might be delivered because Christ was delivered for us. Amen. May the Lord bless these thoughts and these words to our hearts and to all who will hear them. In Jesus' name.